Chapter Eight of The Dogs of Boytown by Walter A. Dyer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight: Dog Days. By June, both Romulus and Remus were in full health again, and Mister Whipple admitted that they began to look like real English setters. They were puppies still, full of fun and mischief, but their coats had lost some of their fuzzy, silky character, and their bodies had lengthened and filled out. They had gained a greater control over their muscles, and in their gambols about the yard they had acquired considerable speed. Sam Bumpus came down again to look at them, and pronounced them likely-looking youngsters. "'They got some growin' to do yet,' said he, "'but they're gainin' bone and speed every day, and the first thing you know you'll have two fine bird dogs, or I don't know what I'm talkin' about.' They also displayed increasing devotion to their masters, and had begun to develop, to a certain extent, the qualities of watchdogs. It was about this time that Jack Whipple made an extraordinary and alarming discovery. He noticed one day that Remus was having some sort of trouble with his mouth, as though he had perhaps got a piece of bone wedged in his teeth. He worked his jaws in a laughable manner and poked at them with his paw. Then he shook his head, ejected a small white object, and appeared relieved. Thinking it must be a piece of bone, Jack picked it up and examined it. It was a tooth. He called Ernest, and after poking about in Rome, they discovered another tooth in the sawdust beside the food dish. They proceeded to examine both dogs, and in Romulus's mouth they found another loose tooth, which came out in Ernest's fingers. "'Why,' cried Jack, "'they're losing all their teeth. How will they eat? How can they do anything?' Ernest was equally puzzled, and that evening they told their father about it. He also seemed perplexed. "'I'm afraid I can't help you,' he said. "'You'd better consult Tom Poultice or Sam Bumpus. Perhaps there's some disease that loosens dogs' teeth. Possibly it's the result of the distemper. I understand there are sometimes after-effects of that, such as deafness, and it may cause a dropping of the teeth. You'd better see about it before it goes any further.' The boys had been planning for some time to take the two dogs up to Sam's shack, since they now seemed old enough and strong enough to stand the journey, and it would be good fun for all concerned. So Ernest sent Sam word that they were coming, and on a bright, warm Saturday morning the four of them set out. The sky was clear and blue, a light breeze tempered the warmth of the brilliant sunshine, and it was a joy just to be alive and out in the open. The boys had their hands full, for Romulus and Remus had never before enjoyed so much liberty, and they did not always answer promptly the recalling whistle. The world, this great new world, seemed to hold so many sights and sounds and scents to interest a dog, that their impulse was to keep going and searching and never turn back. But it was a pleasure just to watch the zest with which they investigated every thicket and hillock as they trotted along twisting and doubling and turning their noses held now high sniffing the breeze now close to the ground they seemed to develop something of that lithe grace of movement that characterized the actions of their mother and old nan when they arrived at their destination the dogs were at first much excited by the presence of so many others of their kind but after a little while they were glad to take a long drink of water and to rest on the floor of the shack sam as usual was smiling and cordial oh, they're coming on they're coming on said he patting the young dogs and observing their sinewy limbs their sensitive nostrils and their soft intelligent eyes been teaching them to hunt on the way up the boys were forced to admit that they had made little progress with the vocational training of romulus and remus 
well there's plenty of time for that said sam they've got to get the sense of the fields and the woods first you get em so they'll come when they're called and a little later on i'll have time to take em in hand and teach em the fine points of the game how they been anyway they're looking as sound as nuts they've been very well answered ernest except for one thing we don't know what's the trouble but their teeth are dropping out their teeth began sam and then burst into a roar of laughter in which the boys presently joined though they did not know why don't you worry about them teeth said he when he could speak again i bet it wasn't so very long ago that jack here had the very same trouble didn't you know that dogs lose their first teeth the same as boys do sure thing some folks are a good deal troubled about it and pull out the loose teeth for fear the dog will swallow em but it ain't likely to hurt em if they do just let em alone and nature will look out for em new and stronger teeth will grow in their place and then they'll be fixed for life the boys relieved to find that the matter was not serious laughed again i guess this joke's on father too said ernest the trip to sam's shack was the first of a number of excursions thither which sam seemed to enjoy as much as the boys and the dogs and when vacation time came and every day was like saturday ernest and jack whipple came to understand better what it really means to have good dogs for constant companions it was in these days that visits to the swimming hole over by the brickyard began and romulus and remus were taught to enjoy the water as much as their masters did this swimming hole in fact proved to be the accepted meeting place for most of the boys and dogs of boytown for it became a regular practice for the boys to bring their dogs and to invent various aquatic sports in which the dogs played an important part old mike hated the water and could scarcely be induced to go in but much of the others entered into the spirit of the game with zest little alert proved to be a regular cork in the water and even huge hamlet splashed about in a dignified sort of way but the general favorite was rags he could dive for stones retrieve sticks and even stand up in the water with his forefeet pawing the air in a manner to bring laughter to the soberest and he had a way of devising sport of his own not always respecting the sanctity of the boy's clothing i don't know how it is with other boys but it is certain that the constant association with faithful four-footed comrades was good for the boys of boytown boys are often thoughtless to an extent that verges upon cruelty they love to tease and often find amusement in inventing new trials for a much enduring cat or dog but once let them get the idea of comradeship and protection firmly fixed and not infrequently a sort of chivalry appears to develop in their natures at least it was so with these boys they quarrelled and disputed and occasionally fought as boys will but there was no more torturing of animals and with this came less bullying of little boys and teasing of little girls each boy felt the responsibility of protecting his own beloved dog and with this came a sense of protection toward all animals mrs hammond theron's mother was wise enough to observe and take advantage of this and she organized the boys into a sort of humane society with meetings every two weeks and a set of rules and objects they were pledged to do what they could to see that no dumb animal was abused and more than once they were able to dissuade a brutal teamster from beating an overburdened horse in only one quarter did they totally fail dick wheaton would neither join the humane society nor would he mend his ways in regard to his treatment of jip but at least he never attempted to abuse any other animal whenever any of the boys were about 
after having received a good licking at the hands of jimmy rogers for annoying rags that taught him a much-needed lesson if every boy in america could be taught to be as kind to animals as these boys were and to interest himself personally in their treatment this would be a better world to live in so the summer vacation days passed with plenty of outdoor fun the boys forming an ever closer comradeship with their common interest and romulus and remus gaining in strength and wisdom every day for the most part they were healthy dogs and gave their masters little concern on that score though sometimes their tendency to get into mischief required attention for mrs whipple was not reconciled to their presence about her house and it was necessary to keep watch lest they offend beyond the chance of pardon the day they brought delia to the verge of tears by tearing a clean sheet from the clothesline and clashing with it about a muddy yard would have produced a disastrous crisis if mr whipple had not once more intervened once or twice the two dogs had to be doctored again for worms and in august came the pest of fleas this was a source of annoyance to both boys and dogs and mrs whipple when she found it out was in constant fear lest the insects be introduced into the house when ernest or jack discovered one on their own persons at night they left no stone unturned to capture and decapitate it as to the dogs they suffered not a little their long coats made a splendid breeding-place for the parasites and they wore themselves thin with scratching Fleas are not a pleasant thing to talk about, but all dogs get them, especially the long-haired kinds, and not even frequent visits to the swimming hole will eradicate them. It was Sam Bumpus who told the boys what to do about it. One day, when they were up to visit him, he refused to let Romulus and Remus into the shack or near his kennels. "'They're full of fleas,' said he as he watched the dogs scratching nervously, "'and I don't want them to be dropping them around where my dogs will get them. I have trouble enough with the varmints as it is. You ought to get rid of them. If you don't, they'll hang on till November, and the dogs will be no good for hunting.' Well, "'How do we get rid of them?' asked Ernest. "'Wash them in chrysolin or chrysolium, or whatever your druggist wants to call it. He'll know what you want when you tell him. Mix it with warm water and soap suds and scrub em good.' then rub em dry do it outdoors on the grass it's better than insect powder it won't kill all the eggs but it will drive the fleas off and if you keep at it and do it often enough you'll get rid of em all besides it gives the dogs some relief before the new ones can hatch better burn their beds once in a while too to kill the eggs in them the boys faithfully followed sam's instructions and were pleased to find the trouble greatly abated it was in august too that they took romulus and remus for their first trip to willowdale they were anxious to learn what mr and mrs hartshorn and tom poultice would think of their dogs and they were always glad of an excuse to visit the bull terriers and airedales and to listen to doggy talk luckily mr hartshorn was at home on this occasion though they paid their respects first to tom and the kennels before going up to the big house tom had not seen the two setters since they had recovered from the distemper and he was pleased to be frankly enthusiastic well i'll be blowed he exclaimed and are these the same two dogs that i doctored in your barn that spring they was that enough looking pictures then the bally rascals they sure have grown some i'd like nothing better than to take em out some day myself on a bit of a hunt look at the legs of em say you've got two fine bird dogs there 
naturally the boys were much pleased by tom's praise of their beloved dogs and they lingered for a time about the kennels while tom pointed out to them the fine points in a setter's action and explained how their graceful level gait enabled them to keep their noses out in front where they would catch the scent and at the same time cover rough country at high speed i have heard it said remarked tom that a hunting pointer can travel at the rate of eighteen miles an hour and keep it up for two or three hours and i guess a good setter's about as fast my exclaimed jack joyfully as they walked over to the house do you suppose we've got the two very best dogs in the world ernest i don't know said ernest maybe the ardor was cooled a trifle by mr hartshorn he examined romulus and remus in a minute judicial critical manner and discovered a number of technical points in which they fell short of perfection but he added they're mighty good dogs and you must remember that no dog is absolutely perfect from the show judge's standpoint and if these come from as fine a working strain as you have led me to believe it is remarkable that they should measure up so well by bench show standards some of the finest show champions are second-rate dogs in the field and some of the best hunting and field tried dogs don't win a yellow ribbon on the bench i should say that your dogs give promise of developing both working and show qualities to a marked degree and i shall watch their careers with great interest you have a brace of fine dogs there and no mistake whereat jack and ernest felt better you promised to tell us something about setters and other bird dogs ernest reminded him well said mr hartshorn i'm not so sure that i know so very much about them i used to do a little shooting years ago but your friend bumpus undoubtedly knows a lot more about the game than i do oh yes said ernest he does know a lot about hunting and training dogs but i mean about the breeds themselves their history and the sort of things you told us about some of the other breeds well said mr hartshorn i'll do the best i can the development of the setter is an interesting story but first we'll have to go back to the spaniels spaniels as you know are still classed as shooting or gun dogs and are used for that to some extent and the setter's ancestor was a spaniel the spaniel first came from spain or france and there are still many kinds on the continent of europe but the spaniel has been known for a long time in england too and the kinds we know here are those of british development mrs hartshorn has already told you about the english toy spaniels so i will omit those in the early days the breeds weren't divided up as they are today but were known as large and small land spaniels and water spaniels the oldest of the land spaniels of england now in existence is the sussex spaniel you won't see any in the united states i think the clumber spaniel you can see in our shows but he is also more popular among the sportsmen and fanciers of england than here he is the heaviest of the spaniels the cocker spaniel is the most popular kind in this country his name comes from the fact that he was used in england for many years for hunting woodcock he is smaller than the others the field spaniel is much like a large-sized cocker weighing about twice as much and finally there is the curly brown irish water spaniel which is really more closely related to the retriever and the poodle than to the other spaniels though spaniels are sporting dogs they have always been enjoyed quite as much for their companionship and they have an enviable reputation for fidelity there is a story told of a spaniel of the time of the french revolution which reminds me of greyfriars bobby 
this dog belonged to a magistrate who was condemned for conspiracy and was thrown into prison by means of his coaxing and pretty ways the spaniel at last won the heart of one of the jailers and managed to get in to his master he never left him after that even crouching between his knees when the magistrate was guillotined he followed the body to its burial and tried to dig into the grave obliged at last to abandon hope of ever seeing his master again he refused to eat and died at length of hunger and exposure on his master's grave another sad story of devotion is that of a spaniel belonging to the gamekeeper of the rev mr corsilius of Wevenhoe, essex england this dog's name was dash and he was his master's constant companion at night when he was able to render valuable service in helping to detect poachers when the old gamekeeper died nothing could persuade dash to accompany his successor on his rounds he divided his time between the grave and the room in which his master had died and at last he too died of a broken heart let me give you a more cheerful one before we pass on to the setters once when mrs grosvenor of richmond went to visit a relative who owned some pet cats she took her blenheim spaniel with her the cats who were selfish spoiled creatures were too many for the small spaniel and they succeeded in driving him out of the house but he refused to acknowledge defeat he proceeded to establish an alliance with the gardener's cat a big husky tom and when the time was right the two of them attacked and routed their common enemy after which the spaniel was let alone and now we come to the setters in some respects they are our finest gun-dogs they came from one of the old land spaniels that was taught to crouch when finding game and they were called setting spaniels until about eighteen hundred since then the breed has been greatly improved there are three well-known varieties english irish and gordon all first-class dogs a man named laverick in shropshire england was the one who did the most to develop the english setter he bred them from eighteen twenty five to eighteen seventy five and produced the standard strain later a man named llewellyn promoted the strain and added new blood you will still hear the names laverick and llewellyn applied to different types of english setters this english variety is the most popular and numerous of the three i don't want to make any unpleasant comparisons but to my mind the irish setter is the handsomest of the family though as a sporting dog he does not rank with the english setter his shape is very nearly the same as that of the english setter but his coat is always a wonderful red-brown almost golden when the sun shines on it often very dark but with no black spots the gordon setter is the heaviest of the three and comes from a strain developed a century ago by the duke of richmond gordon a scotchman the colour is always rich black and tan these are not the only bird dogs however there are the retrievers and the pointer besides some european breeds but i'm going to save them for another time i've got to get ready to catch a train now and besides i'm afraid of giving you this sort of information in too large a chunk mr hartshorn bade them good-bye and went upstairs the boys remained a few minutes longer with mrs hartshorn who had taken a great fancy to romulus and remus and then they set off for home in the hot sun of the afternoon End of chapter eight